I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. When you are with a covert narcissist, you gradually and even completely disappear as an individual. You no longer matter in your world because they completely rule the environment. They are the one in charge of the dance that is going on between you and them. Their moves are the ones that decide the direction you go. Today, I am discussing two distinct ways that this plays out. Their timetable is the only one that matters, and their mood sets the mood of the entire home. These two things, among others, put the covert narcissist in charge of the environment within your home. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm also the creator of the Facebook support group, Covert Narcissism Group. We currently have over 51,000 members and are still growing. I would love to have you join us. If you have not found us, go to Facebook and look up Covert Narcissism Group. I also offer both individual and group coaching sessions to help victims of covert narcissistic abuse. You can learn more about this at my website at www.covertnarcissism.com. Now let's look at how this covert narcissist in your life rules the environment of your home. You know, Ross Rosenberg talks about the dance between a covert narcissist, a covert narcissist and their victim in his book. That book is called The Human Magnet Syndrome. And the analogy of this dance is a great way to explain how this works. And I want to just give you a picture of it right now. So this covert narcissist is the dance partner who's in charge of the dance. You know, they step this way and they turn this way. They don't ask you if you want to spin or if you want to dip. They just do it. And your job is to, you know, respond to their touch and their moves and whatever it is that they're doing in this dance. And you, as the dance partner who has learned how to do that, you actually do it quite well. You, you, you step this way and that way constantly in response to their movement. That's the dance that happens between a covert narcissist and its victim. Now, let's explore these two ways that I want to give you today. I want to explore them and how they play out in much greater detail. The, the first way is that their timetable is the only one that matters. And let me explain what I mean by this. The covert narcissist, they often believe that as soon as he or she is available for you, that you must be available for them. You should drop everything and everyone and be attentive to them the instant that they are ready. There is no recognition or space for you that you actually might have a schedule of your own. For you to have things that you want to do or that you need to do, they don't see that. They can do whatever they want whenever they want. That's that dance. But when they want you, you had better be available for them. 
If not, then you get the blaming and the guilting and the manipulation. You get things like, well, you never make time for me. Or everything else is always more important than me. Or everyone else is always more important than me. I don't matter to you. And you get guilted. And, and that guilt works because we want them to feel loved. We want them to feel cared for. We want to be the good and, and caring person. And so the guilt works. You're made to feel guilty for having anything else to ever that you ever need or want to do. And if they are in that space of wanting your attention and you even make a comment about needing to get something done, you know, they, they become extremely offended and defensive. And, and, and they'll say things like, well, here we go again. You don't even want to spend time with me. And now you're trying to convince them otherwise. And of course, they make this difficult for you. And at the same time, they soak up all the wonderful things that you are saying about them. You know, when we were together, if I even made a comment about something that was on my mind, like just conversation, my husband would just, he'd get so mad and he would leave all mad and hurt. And I'll give you an example. You know, if I said something like, wow, I really do need to get this house cleaned up. And it was at a time when, you know, he and I were together watching a movie or he, you know, wanted intimate time, whatever. And if I made a comment like that, he would take offense at it, thinking I meant right this minute instead of spending time with him. Even if I was just saying how I was feeling, not meaning I needed to get up and go do it right this instant. And of course, it would never cross his mind to say something like, well, let me help you with that tomorrow. And then we'll both have more time together. He would never go that path. He would just say, of course you do, and walk off upset, waiting for me to come apologize and make everything all better like I did over and over for so many years. And then when you come in, like I said a minute ago, when you come in and try to make things all better, they even make that difficult. Like you have to beg for them to forgive you and now spend that time with you. And now you're the one begging and pleading with them to have that time together. You know, and it didn't matter that we had already been home together for several hours while he was in his office or bedroom gaming or watching a movie. It didn't matter that I had already gotten everything done for the sole purpose of being available because I had already learned that I needed to be. You know, you figure this out after a short time in your relationship or marriage, you figure this out. Yet he never saw any of the effort that I put into helping the marriage and helping to accommodate his dance style. He never noticed all the work that I did to make things better for him or accommodate him. He just noticed that it was never enough. If I tried to have some time with him, but he was busy with anything, then I had to wait. And clearly there was nothing wrong with him making me wait. Like that was just normal to him. Why would I be upset about that? But of course, you know, that never got uh, reciprocated. It never went both ways. If, if I was the one that was upset with him, if, you know, if he made me wait for whatever it was, you know, we're going to go out on a date or we're going to spend time together, whatever. And if I had to wait, but if I got upset about it, then I'm being unfair and too demanding of him. You know, I'm the bad person in the problem. But if he ever had to wait, then I wasn't making him a high enough priority. And then again, I'm still the bad person and the problem. One thing you can count on for sure with a covert narcissist is you are always the bad person and the problem. Everything is always your fault and never theirs. He used to ask me, I hated this question, but he used to use it all the time. How do I get on your to-do list? 
hated it when he asked that. This was his way of saying, you're the one that's always too busy for me. I'm available to you, but you're the one that's always too busy. And it made me feel so guilty and bad. Yes, I had a lot of things to do. What's wrong with that? That's life. I made lots of time for him, but he never saw it. And it was never enough. Was it all the time? A hundred percent? Of course not. Life doesn't work like that. But the biggest problem was that it always had to be on his schedule. No matter when it was, with no warning or planning, just whenever he decided, I had to drop everything and be available to him. And if I didn't do that, then I got, well, how do I get on your to-do list? He could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. But when he was ready to be with me, I had to be available to him. And if I wasn't, like I said, I was made to feel guilty. I tried to talk with him about this multiple times, trying to compromise and work together towards a solution. But it never went over very well. Whenever I tried to talk to him, his responses were so incredibly unreasonable. One time he said to me, well, we don't ever talk because you stretch all the time and no one can talk to you while you stretch. What? I stretch all the time? Are you kidding me? I mean, yeah, I stretch in the morning and at night, probably 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night. I should do more, but, but that's what I do. I'm a martial artist and yeah, I do stretch every day. If I stretched as much as he gained, huh, boy, I'd be one crazy flexible person. And where did the rule come from that no one can talk while stretching? I certainly never said that. This had nothing to do with me stretching. But these are the kind of things they throw in. That's that topic switcheroo. You're trying to talk to them about how, you know, they're being unreasonable in their demands of you and, and all of this. And, and all of a sudden we're talking about me stretching. One time he said, well, you're always reading and I'm not allowed to interrupt you while you read. Again, who made the rule that you can't talk to me while I'm reading? I certainly did not. But now he's using it as an excuse to be mad at me. Many, many times I have put my book down and chatted with him. I have no issues with that. And, and when did I read? I'll tell you when I read. At night in bed when he was already in bed gaming on his phone. But when his game ended or he finally decided to stop, it was my fault that we didn't spend time together because I was reading. This is the unreasonableness of trying to communicate and work together and cooperate with a covert narcissist. You know, he would tell me, well, I can't talk to you with the boys around because they always interrupt and we just can't have a conversation. We can't talk. So if we were at home as a family, he wouldn't talk to me and it was my fault or our boy's fault that he never talked to me. He would disappear into office or the bedroom, like I've said before, gaming and watching movies. And on the occasions when we were talking, if the boys came in and asked something simple, simple, like, hey, can we go outside or can we grab a snack or can we watch TV? He was upset about the intrusion, even if he and I are just standing there talking about, you know, hey, how was your day? Nothing intense, nothing much. And he was upset because they even walk in the room. That intrusion might have taken less than 30 seconds. You know, the boys learned to stand there and wait. And I would, you know, stop our conversation to go, hey, what do you guys need? Well, now my husband's huffing and mad at me for doing that. Even though it took 30 seconds. Hey, can we go outside? Yes. Bye. They disappear. They're outside. What's so wrong with that? He wanted everything to stop so that he had complete control and complete attention for however long he wanted it. 
In order to have just a normal conversation, everything else had to cease completely. Conversations couldn't just be a normal part of a healthy home life. He also wanted me only for himself from the very beginning. When we would go to socials, he wanted me by his side. The men would often go socialize in one room and the women in another. That was common in, in our group that we were with. But he would go wherever I went. And I would feel guilty if I didn't sit beside him knowing that he would not like that and he would be unhappy. I'm now not so sure if it was guilt that caused me to do all of this or fear of the conversation that was to follow. But the first one is their timetable is the only one that matters. The second way this plays out is their mood is the one that sets the mood of the home. If they are upset, everyone is upset. If they are playful, then everyone is required to be playful. If they are happy, then you must be happy too. If they are mad, then clearly you are mad too. In fact, they will quickly tell you that you are the one making everybody mad when they're the ones that brought it into the household. You are not allowed to have any feelings of your own and you clearly feel however they feel. That's just how it goes. This self-fulfilling prophecy comes true. When they are upset, you are also upset. Why? Because they take out their frustration and anger on you. They get short and snappy with their words with everyone in the home. They blame their anger on you and they make everyone in the home uncomfortable. Rather than being able to identify their anger, work through it on the inside and calm themselves down, they direct it outward at anyone and everyone that gets in their path. But this is this does stay behind closed doors. It's, it's, it happens within the home. Whether that be you, your kids, your pets. It's all your fault that I'm mad. You didn't even clean up the kitchen. They were mad before they ever came in the door. But this is, you know, it all gets blamed on you. Can't you do anything right? All I wanted was a peaceful evening and you ruined it. As they are yelling at you. Or speaking in that cold, passive-aggressive, spiteful tone that they have. When they are happy, you are happy too. Why? Because finally things are calmer. Finally you get a break in the storm. You get to be happy. You can laugh a little. You can breathe again. You can maybe even be a little bit playful. But it's always with a guard up for fear that things will turn. Because you've been through this before. You always have that fear, however small, in the back of your mind. Because it's happened so many times times. You know that it only takes one small tiny thing for everything to go right back to the negative pit of anger, frustration, woe is me, everyone hates me, or everyone is against me, and on and on it goes. But for now, you can mostly enjoy the happiness or at least the calmness. It's a tiny reprieve from all the negativity and chaos. Not only that, but it's also a glimmer, a small glimmer of hope that things are okay now. Maybe it's all over. This is the real him or the real her. Finally, they are back and we're okay. This is the breadcrumbs that I have talked about in the past. You know, have you ever said, but we had some good times together. Remember that one day? Or remember that one time? Are you building an intimate relationship, a marriage, a family, a home? on breadcrumbs? These little glimmers of hope, like a break in the clouds, take us back to the belief that this is a good and healthy relationship. That we got this. That all is okay. 
One good evening can erase months of bad behavior. I remember when he would finally have a peaceful evening with our boys and me. He would be playful and happy and everything seemed good. We'd play catch in the living room and yeah, we had balls flying through our house all the time. Usually it was just the boys and me playing. But on those occasions when he would join us and everything was okay, well, let me say this, on those occasions when he would join us, it always went one of two ways. It often ended in disaster. He'd be mad or hurt that, I mean, things like we didn't throw him the ball often enough. Really? Who's keeping score on that? Or someone doesn't throw it accurately enough and makes him have to work a little to get it, and now now he's mad. Really? Or the boys pick at each other just a little, and he has to jump in to referee when in reality, everything was fine, and he could have just stayed out of it. So many tiny things were a potential to destroy the entire evening. But occasionally, yes, occasionally, he would actually stay peaceful and playful the whole time and and that it would be okay. Things would actually end in a good way. This did not happen often, but it did happen some. Of course, the whole time I was on edge waiting for things to turn ugly. So it still wasn't peaceful or relaxing, you know, on the inside for me, but it was far more relaxing than all the hundreds of times of disaster. When everyone did successfully stay happy and playful and they actually went to bed in good moods, that's when I could finally relax. Oh, we made it. This was a good night. Great. So glad to have it. Now that one good evening could erase two months of horrible behavior. I could convince myself once again that everything was okay, that he is a good person, that he does care about me and our boys, that we are good and all is well. However, the next morning, everything could disappear so incredibly fast. This happened both ways. If we had a disastrous evening with him and he was all mad at us and telling us how horrible we are, the next morning, it was like none of that had happened. He would get up and he would greet me. Hey, how you doing? Like nothing ever happened. And if I was in a bad mood, he might even ask, well, what's wrong? Why are you so upset? No recognition that the evening had been so horrible and everyone was hurting. The same was true of a good evening. It just disappeared the next day too. We could be easily right back in the negativity, the blaming, the manipulating, the gaslighting, and so on. These good moments are just breadcrumbs that we cling to. When you merge these breadcrumbs with our intense desire that they be a good person, we can hold on to them for a very, very long time. So two ways that covert narcissists rule their environment is their timetable is the only one that matters and their mood sets the mood of the entire home. As you continue to dance this dance with the covert narcissist in your life, you eventually lose yourself. I hear so many victims say, I don't even know who I am anymore. I lost myself. I don't know what I want or what I think or what I desire. I don't even know. Will I ever find me again? It is time to find you again. It's time for your timetable to matter. It's time for your moods to matter. You are allowed to matter in your world. The only person who has taken that right away from you is this covert narcissistic abuser in your life. Do not give them that power anymore. Take back your right to matter. Take it back for you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.